Hi, this is Coach Colette, welcoming you to another episode of Coach Chat. So when I say the word moonshot, what comes to mind? It's often defined as an ambitious, exploratory, or groundbreaking project that's undertaken with almost little to no possibility of having it be achieved. So what do you think that means about people who take on moonshots? They must really be dedicated to their cause. And that explains and describes Kevin Dedner, my guest to a T. He is the CEO and founder of Henry Health. Henry Health is a technology startup app and digital platform that provides self-care support and mental health services to black men. And that is the moonshot. He is deeply committed to the health and well-being of black men. And he transformed having experienced depression into a tool for helping black men to adequately address their emotional and mental health. So I am really excited to share this Coach Chat episode with you. And when you listen, you're going to hear about his journey as an entrepreneur launching Henry Health. And he's also going to share five simple things that anyone can take on to improve your mental health and well-being. So get ready to hear about the moonshot of Henry Health and listen up. Hi, this is Coach Colette and I am here for another episode of Coach Chat. And today I'll be speaking with Kevin Dedner, who is the founder and CEO of Henry Health which is a tech startup app and digital platform that provides self-care support and mental health services to black men. And I connected with Kevin through the Startup Health Transformers. I saw his blurb in the newsletter and I knew I just had to reach out and make this connection. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Kevin. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. So I'd love for you to give the listeners, because I know there's some historical reference for the name of Henry Health. So you can let us know how you came to the name of your startup. Awesome. Well, thank you again for um, the opportunity to be here. And I, you know, the story of, of John Henry is a story that has been told and retold over and over again. John Henry is an American folk hero who was known for his strength and um, having worked on the railroad and how powerful he was. And the story goes that John Henry was so strong that when the steam powered hammer was introduced, he was challenged to a competition with the machine. And the story goes on to say that John Henry beat the machine, but he later died from a heart attack and stress. And uh, in 1994, a researcher by the name of Dr. James Sherman took uh, a particular look at the sociological pressures associated with being a black man. And he studied um, the correlation between poor health outcomes and cardiovascular health. 
And what his research proved is that these sociological pressures uh, of day-to-day life for Black men uh, increase poor health outcomes and cardiovascular health. And picking up on the story of, of John Henry, he coined the term John Henryism. And so in, in many ways, when we think about um, unmanaged stress and untreated mental health issues and, and sort of the correlation there between the low life expectancy for Black men and how stress impacts our body, we're aiming to turn the story of John Henry upside right and rewrite the ending. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So yeah, there are lots of talks in the health field these days about moonshots, right? So is that kind of what you're thinking of when you say turn the story upside down? Yeah, so Black men have the lowest life expectancy of, of any population. And you know, I think when you hear that, it should be an arresting thought that causes one to step back and say, is that the case? Have we known this for some time? And the truth is we've known this for over 100 years, as, as long as we've been collecting um, this data and, and understanding life expectancy, Black men have, have lagged behind all populations. And so we've set a moonshot, and that moonshot is to increase the life expectancy of Black men by 10 years within the next 25 years. And, you know, I, I'll just sort of put a pin in it to say that you know, the, the analogy of the moonshot is, is literally based on um, the United States, you know, making this declaration that we would go to the moon. And um, so many benefits came from us as a country saying that we would go to the moon. Like there were new products that were invented, new science discoveries that were invented. And so, you know, although, you know, our product is, focus and targeted toward black men, we think when we are successful, that the benefit, the understanding of, of, of what works in self-care support and helping people make better um, daily uh, healthy decisions and, and understanding how stress impacts our body and what we can do to help people um, combat stress and better manage stress, that when we do these things, that it will be in a benefit for the entire society. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so that was what I was saying earlier, that the reason that I wanted to connect with you, because my I, I haven't declared it as a moonshot yet, but I'm <laughs> going to come back to that, but about really trying to help Black women have better, healthier outcomes and be able to incorporate self-care into their lives on a more more regular basis. And so so the context, right? So you've said it already, but sort of like reiterating this concept of the larger societal pressures um, are, is, does the data show that it's impacting, I guess in your case, black men or, or black women differently than other populations? Absolutely. I think, you know, there was a, a study that just came out a couple weeks ago, a Swedish study that studied uh, stress among siblings. And again, you know, this was further evidence of, of what stress does to our body and how it makes us more susceptible to disease. But in the case of, of Black women and, and Black men, and I'll, and I'll just pick up on Black women because, um, you know, I, am, I, I, I sort of have that knowledge, you know, compartmentalized in my head too. Um, we in public health, we know 
that black women in places like Memphis, Tennessee have third world country infant mortality rates, right? And even when we add the controls of higher income, higher education, that does not sort of improve um, these outcomes around infant mortality. And so what becomes very clear is that something is happening in the day-to-day experience of black women, likewise. Something is happening in the day-to-day experience of, of Black men that makes us more susceptible to disease. So the human body is really, and, and even I was just with a group of researchers um, last week, and, we, and they were sort of revealing their research about the brain. And the, the human body is like, it's simply amazing, like astonishing how we have these controls um, to protect us and how it, you know, we can actually repair ourselves. But one of the most common things that we have um, is, is how we react to stress are things that we may potentially think as harmful to us. And that is most commonly known as the fight or fleet uh, response to stress. And so typically, what happens, like sort of what, what we'd argue is that being African-American in this country leaves us in that, in that mode all the time and the body doesn't know the difference. And so what, what's happening is there's an, uh, like you're, you're staying in this overdrive mode of protection, which is bad for your health, uh, right. such as the case for black women, certainly such as the case for black men. Right, right. And I think, and and I think it's interesting to, to even think about that, like to even just sit with what you just said, because even though I know that and this is the work that I do, when I hear it, there's still a part of me that goes, really? But it's that sense of, right, if you have, if you have concerns about, you know, stepping out of your house, like it's almost like if we all sort of thought of like from the moment you wake up to the moment that you go to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. What are the what are the things that you encounter? What are the experiences that you have, and how do those experiences, even if uh, you know things like even microaggressions or or very overt issues that are impacting you, then that impacts your ability to relax and to Absolutely. feel safe and to feel comfortable. So I mean, I let's let's just think of it in in this sense. Think of your brain as a. I'm not a, a researcher on the brain, so that's my disclaimer, right? But think of it like you know, your brain has like this master control board, and there's this conductor there, and every time you encounter an experience that they think could be negative to you, they press this button, right? And what I'm sort of arguing is that that button is constantly pressed for us all day long through different experiences. And here's the other part of it, because there are people who will push back on this argument. You don't even have to be conscious that this is happening. Because that's the, that's the, again, that's the brilliance of the body and, and the brain that it is constantly goes to protect itself. So we, we're not even, so I, I'm driving down the road our, uh, and, and there's a police car behind me and I've seen these images on the television just the other day. And so guess what, that button is pressed. I'm at work and there are some microaggressions that um, happen like by the, by the coffee pot, that button is pressed. So we're not even conscious of when this is happening often. And it happens with, with, with you know, to have a, 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 a tremendous negative impact on our health. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, the, the data is there, it's overwhelming. And I think our work, you know, you and I, you on behalf of black women, me on behalf of black men, 
you know, our, our responsibility is to raise this discussion uh, because we are supported in the evidence like this, you know, we're not sort of saying, oh, here's what we think is happening. No, here's what we know. Like we know this is happening. Mm -hmm. There's like no doubt the evidence is there and we need to make this discussion a mainstream discussion and how we help people navigate these nuances of life. I was with, yeah, I was talking to an advisor of ours just the other day, Dr. Tom Levise. And Dr. Tom Levise is um, the, the Dean under College of Public Health at Tulane. And, um, you know, he's just, he's a, just an extraordinary researcher, respected on his work on understanding health disparities. And Dr. Tom Levise simply said, said it like this, we really have two solutions. Number one, we, we do away with racism. And, and, and institutional racism and all that comes with that. And, and we would love to achieve that solution, right? <laughs> uh, and he said, but we probably won't be able to do that in our lifetime, right? But the, 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 the opposite of, of that is that we begin to help people develop like a different type of coping mechanism um, to move through life. And there are simple things that we know. We know that we can help people learn breathing techniques. We know that meditation works. Like there are things that we can introduce, um, I think, into popular culture to help people better deal with these, with, with the sort of stress that comes with living. Now, let me be clear. I'm not sort of, I'm not suggesting that we forego the work around systems change. And that work is very important. But the reality is that people are living much shorter and sicker lives now. And, you know, there, there are some of us who can channel our energy to do something about that. Right. Right. I agree. I think it's, it's, it's not or, it's and, right? So Absolutely. there are the people that can declare the racism moonshot or the systematic, you know, institutionalized racism moonshot and, you know, declare that and have that. And there are people that maybe even haven't articulated it in that way, but that is what their purpose is. And so I think that these things can be happening concurrently, right? So, because in, in like you're saying, in every situation, we still have all of us living in the present and then everything that we're doing is hopefully to help people, people in, in the future. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so yeah. So what are some of the, the tips or the strategies that you have included or are seeking to include in your Henry Health Platform? Yeah, so you know, so we, we we think of 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 health as the the total construct of health, like um, you know, mind, body, and spirit. And and you know, the great thing is that many payers are also starting to think of health from this construct, this framework, if you will. And so you know, that is at the core of how we also want to have this discussion with men about mental health. So, you know, I don't think that you can achieve optimum health without mental health and emotional health, like it starts there. But the average person is only in therapy for about six months. And so if, if you think of that and you think of all that people are experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis, what that also means is that we need to think about how can we develop tools to support people in moving through life on a day-to-day -day basis? But obviously when they have a life event, a divorce, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, 
all of these things that that really are traumatic like let's let's like we've not defined those things as traumatic so i think we need to re start to help people to understand that it's certainly appropriate to talk to someone when you have these experiences and so when they have these life events we want to be there and be a trusted source of therapy for them uh, and that is through a digital platform also having online support groups but on a day-to-day -day basis like our goal is to use technology to support people in making better decisions about things like diet, physical activity, um, stress management in itself. And so some of that could look like as simply as a meditation room where we try to begin to introduce uh, black men to these techniques that we, that science has proven works in addition to a meditation room, like journaling um, as well, uh, breathing, uh, breathing is like, um, I mean, I've been working on, on my breathing um, like for the last two weeks. I, I met someone who's been coaching me on breathing and I'm like simply amazed. Like how did, I, I think that there's something intuitively that we all know at some point in the human experience, we knew that these things worked. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and, and I think what I'm astonished with is like when and where did we lose the knowledge that this is how you 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 know you you, you move through life and you move through life and and, and maintain your well-being but clearly somewhere along the way we've lost some very basic techniques that i think through technology that we can reintroduce to people to help them manage their life mm -hmm. yeah one of the one of my favorite techniques i think we talked about when we first spoke was eft emotional freedom techniques yes. tapping and that that is something that i'm passionate about sharing uh, in communities uh, as well. So, so, you know, you've taken on this moonshot and it's amazing. Um, how do you care for your own health and well-being? Wow, that's a really good question. You know, I, I have to admit at times it's a struggle, um, you know, living, living a healthy life myself, you know, sort of being a startup because of all of the, the demands that come with, you know, trying to build a company. But at you know the very core, I start every morning um, with quiet time and reflection um, and meditation. Um, I think it's really important that we all figure out what works for us. Like my routine um, may not be the I, the ideal routine for the next person, but again, you know that's one of the goals of of our app is to introduce people to several um, options that they could incorporate into their daily life. Um, you know, and, and it, the last few days, it's, it's funny, I'll just share this, that I have been um, really uh, doing more journaling and particularly focusing on what I'm grateful for. And, and it's amazing what the research shows about journaling and, and literally writing down what you're grateful for, for how that improves your mental health. Uh, but then it goes as far as like, you know, what, are, what am I eating? Being very conscious of, you know, the types of foods that we eat. Um, what research has proven that um, a Mediterranean diet is really best for um, improving your, your, your mental health. And so, you know, as I said, I think somewhere along the way, we, we, we in like the human existence, we knew these things and we've lost them. And our goal, you know, is one of our goals rather is to introduce people back to these, you know, some very simple techniques that could improve their health. You know, I often say um, to really simplify a conversation about people say, well, what can I do to improve my mental health? And I said, well, there are really 
five simple things that I stress that people do to improve their mental health. And number one um, is to spend out, spend time outdoors. Um, number two, cook with real food. Number three, have real um, social connections. Number four, move around. And number five, sleep, preferably eight hours of sleep. So again, think about that. That's, those are very simple things. And you know, my aim even in, in our app is to help people do those five simple things through technology. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with all of them. And I know the lever that impacts me the most usually is sleep. And when mm-hmm. I don't get sleep, it's, it's not a, it's not a, Colette's not a happy girl. <laughs> when she does Yeah. It. So it's, it's so funny. So, so check this out. Here's, here's this, something that's so fascinating to me. We, those of us who have children who've, who are, who've been around kids, we know what, when a two-year-old throws a tantrum and say, oh, he's tired. Well, why do we somehow think as we become adults, that we don't need sleep to function properly. <laughs> and that we don't throw tantrums. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, that, pardon me, at, at like a very base level of knowledge, like we all understand that, that a two-year-old will throw a tantrum because he or she is tired. So we, so that tells us like the importance of sleep, Right. Um, but somehow as adults, we lose that understanding and we, and, and, you know, it's also, you know, probably Western culture, how we've been convinced that we can do all these things at one time. We can be, you know, multitask and all of that. Like that is just like, that's, you know, I, I think part of the problem, but you know, the sleep thing is something very simple. And, and, you know, again, I refer back to the meeting I was with, with, with these researchers a few days ago, the brain needs to sleep. Like the brain literally needs to sleep to process your memory, to separate um, the memories from the emotion. Like it's fascinating what the brain needs to do to shut down. Like when you, you sleep, the brain, like there are some guys with, with brooms up there, right? And they go to work time you go to sleep and they're, start, they're putting things in place, filing memories away. I mean, it's really important stuff that's happening during sleep. And um, we, we, we've taken that for granted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say for me that, and then the second challenge I've been having lately is moving more because we're all living a very sedentary lifestyle. And I think that that's one of my goals is to, is to be moving more. And it's funny, like, and, and for me, like exercise, it has changed. Sometimes I'm like, I've been a runner and I'm like, oh, I'm all into it. And then it's, and then it cycles out. And sometimes it's, you know, sort of bringing it all together, what you were saying, like, I think for me, like sort of having a couple of traumatic, not, you know, not like life-threatening, but, you know, traumatic experiences um, within the context of how you defined it. And then noticing for me, like what went away and one of the things Mm -hmm. that went away was running and right. And so it's, and to me, running is a very mental game. Obviously, you know, you're moving your Mm -hmm. body physically, but, and I've always often said, like, for me, the hardest part was just getting out the door. Like if I, I actually would sit sometimes in my house in the running clothes, sneakers on, just so that I wouldn't have an excuse because it was like, just get me out onto right. the pavement and it's like an amazing experience. So it is interesting how our minds work and how then when we take these actions, like your five simple steps, how then you can start to get momentum, right? You know, like if I right. 
one day, then it's easier to go the next day. And then, you know, so it, it sort of helps you to get that process rolling. Yeah. And so let me be clear that those, those things are all evidence-based. Like the research shows that, that they work. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, again, you know, we're, we're really approaching this conversation from a facts-based, evidence-based argument. So, you know, people can start to incorporate those things into their lives make, you know, really careful decisions along those lines. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, and I'm, I imagine, or I ask the question, like, it's not like anyone has to take it on, take all five of them all on. Absolutely. Once, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. You know, figure out, I think what's really important is, you know, people figure out what works for them. Um, you know, you know, there are obviously some nuances to, you know, people's uh, spiritual practices and so forth that um you know can 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 impact like what what you decide is your pathway but there there's certainly a pathway for all of us if if we do the work to figure out what it is Mm -hmm. Um, connected to that i've been asking all of my guests to share what does start within mean to you well you know i i saw that on your your question there a couple weeks ago i mean i i think that um all of the answers to all of our problems are are within uh, it may have been i i it was it, i i think it was um can't call this name right now uh, an author who says that most of man's problems come from his inability to sit alone <laughs> right and so you know i really i really do believe that that um that our answers lie within that you know when we get in touch with like our source and, you know, and, and so many people use different language to describe what they consider their source. But if you sit quietly, whatever your, your, your spiritual practice is, it, it, you know, you may be praying, um, but the answer lies within some quiet time. And so for me, start within means like this is this sort of, you know, quiet space of like figuring out how to connect back to, to your source because the answers lie there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, we'll try to figure out if we can find that author. <laughs> it's so uh, with the quotes are it's 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 interesting that I guess part of it is social media, right? Because we're all sharing things and we're yes. memes, and so I wonder if when people like you know historical figures probably never would have imagined that their quote would be on Twitter and like yeah yeah you I, I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said that, uh, but again. This, like me being unable to recall, that is also part of what we're talking about in mental and brain health, right? Um, And I'm not suggesting that I'm not properly rested, right? But I am sort of saying that, like the ability to recall is, is connected to whether or not you're highly stressed out and so forth. And now our cognitive functions do start to um, go downward sparrow at the age of 40. That's true. I mean, research shows that. But what I'm arguing, if you're properly rested, you're eating well and all of these things, that you won't have these sort of, you know, all of the time, I can't remember that brain moments. Like all of this is connected. And I, I think that people take for granted um, when they're unable to recall things that that could be connected to you not sleeping properly. Oh, it happens. Yes, I, I'm 
I'm, well, I'm very cerebral. I live in my head. So for me, when I have those moments of can't recalling, it, it's actually frustrating and a little scary for me. And then, right. And then I do have to think about like, okay, is it, is it sleep? Is it stress? And then the other thing is, is kind of this, and again, I'm not a researcher either, but thinking of all the things that we are asking our brain to recall, right? Because we're, you know, with all the technology, with all the Absolutely. information that's coming at us, what I've started to notice for me is that certain things that I would recall, say maybe about movies or like things that are extraneous to, from my like, my inner circle or those kinds of things. I'm noticing like, I'll see the face, but I can't remember the name. And I wonder, you know, so then I'm thinking, right, am I stressed? Did I sleep enough? And then I'm also asking like, what else am I, what else am I managing or multitasking around? Because, absolutely, you know, the brain is like, okay, we can get you, you know, you, you can still get home. You remember all your passwords, right? It's like, think of all the things that we try to remember. Absolutely. And then all this stuff kind of falls outside of that. Absolutely. So a colleague of mine, uh, Steve Downs, who's at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, he gave a talk a couple of weeks ago. Um, and his talk should actually be online at the health, experience design conference it was in boston uh at the first of last month and and steve um by the way is where i picked up those five simple things but his talk was just so memorable um and one of the things that steve said that really stuck with me is that the the changes in society have happened so rapidly that our body is has been unable to adjust to the advances in society over the last several years. That is like, you know, you just think, you, you step back and think about it. That is really amazing and arresting that, you know, the technology advances, you know, um, even, you know, you talked about sort of sitting down, like everything is right there in front of you. You no longer have to move around. Um, that our bodies have not been able to make the adjustments biologically to keep up with the advances in society. Like that is just extraordinary, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's in some ways, I guess, collectively a little alarming, although for me personally, a little bit comforting in a, in a strange way, because mm -hmm. again, because it, it then it for some reason it reduces my stress a little bit right because it's kind of like right i think and i do sometimes have to go back to okay think of all the things that i do remember and right if absolutely if i can't remember the name of that celebrity from that movie right like how how is important is that no no shade in that but just kind of like right how am i adapting and how am i coping and i hope for others as well to think about that right like yeah no noticing the changes in your body or noticing the changes in your mindset or noticing the changes in your memory not saying not to do that but then kind of being i always like to say it's almost like being like the health detective like right asking those questions like is it could it be sleep could it be stress could it be overwhelmed? Could it be overload? And then being able to then decide what you will do based on those answers. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I'm just kind of really stepping back, uh, observing our conversation and appreciating like where we started the conversation <laughs> to like um, where we are now, which I think further validates where we started the conversation, right? We started the conversation 
specifically talking about, you know, black men and black women and the stress associated with it. And here we are now having this conversation about the broader society and how stress is impacting all of us. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm really appreciating, you know, the evolution of the, the conversation here. Right. Yeah, me too. And then, and then I guess to bring it back full circle. So to then layer on top of sort of sedentary lifestyle, multitasking, not getting a lot of sleep. And then you layer on top of that where we started around sort of, you know, is issues of oppression or institutional racism, right? Now it, so, and all of it being evidence-based, right? So now, you, now hopefully listeners have that full picture of why why you shared what you shared at the at the start of this conversation absolutely and you know what i think has been fascinating for me in this journey is like the conversation we're having payers meaning major insurance companies have long knew that there was a problem among uh groups of of populations like among black women black men like these data have been evident to people for a very, very long time. I remember, you know, uh, almost 15 years ago when I, I wrote a paper about infant mortality rates in, in Memphis, Tennessee, right? So, so our understanding of this problem has been there for such a long time. Now, I think very recently we've started to connect like the day-to-day -day stress with it. And I think very recently a conversation has become more public around like microaggressions, et cetera. Like we're starting to talk about that in more of a public space than what we were talking about, about it in 15 years ago. But we understood we had a problem back then is what I'm sort of suggesting. Now the dialogue and the science is sort of furthering the conversation now, but I think our challenge, like you and I now, what our work is like, so what are the solutions? Let's move from sort of stating this problem understanding the science of it to like, okay, let's develop a, a solution to these problems. Got it. So, well, that's a great segue. So how can our listeners find out about the work that you're doing uh, with Henry Health? Yeah, so we're online, um, henry-health.com. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and listeners can also follow me. Um, I'm at K Detner, D-E-D-N-E-R on um, Twitter, on Instagram, and Kevin Detner on Facebook. Um, you know, and I'm, you know, sharing a lot uh, my personal health journey, as well as, you know, the, the story of the company on all of these platforms as well. That's fantastic. Wow. Well, I think we could have continued on for another two hours, but I think we'll, we'll wrap here. And I think uh, maybe we can have us another conversation and talk about um, some of these other issues, because I feel like it's, it's important for us to keep talking about it. And I think this show, this conversation was like you were saying a lot about the problem. Maybe we can dive a little more into the solutions next time we chat. Yeah, I would love that. And, you know, I do want to sort of take a point of privilege and, and say, um, so often in our work, um, people say to me, what about black women? And, and I just want to pause to say that I think that um, black men will not achieve this health status that I'm talking about without the support of, of black women. We know that black women are um, the, the decision makers around health and, 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 
and, and so forth in, in, in African-American households. And so, you know, I just want to sort of say how important I think it is to be in partnership with, with people like you, because I, I also appreciate at, at, at its core, like how important black women are to helping black men achieve optimum health. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yes, and it and it is. It's a partnership, right? I think that 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 and it's collective, right? No one person can do we, it alone. You can take care of your own health, and as you as you heal yourself, you actually do do heal others. I love that. <laughs> yes. I don't think that was. I don't. I didn't create that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you created it in this moment. In this moment, in this present moment. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you so for wonderful. having me. It's been a delight. Absolutely. So thanks again, listeners. And we'll be on again soon with another episode of Coach Chat. And for now, this is Coach Colette helping you to start within to finish strong.